There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. 97.1 FM The Drive presents the Behind the Song Podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. When you think of a songwriter, who immediately comes to mind? There are many who top the list of notable writers, but there are only a few that have created consistent miracles with their songs. Songs that we sing over and over again and that never seem to grow old. And of those songwriters, there are only four who are Beatles. Operating at such a high level as a group, occupying the very rarest of air because they changed the relationship that we as listeners have with music at large. And of those four fabs, each as individual creatively as their thumbprints, there is only one, Paul McCartney. The writer who gave us Yesterday with the Beatles is the same writer who opened the door to what would later become known as indie pop with the wonderfully weird and intimate album, Ram. Released in 1971, the only album credited to Paul and Linda McCartney, Ram is a Trip. I encourage you to listen to this entire album from start to finish, whether for the first time or for the hundredth time. Ram is an album that reveals itself in layers. It came on the heels of McCartney's self-titled solo debut in 1970, after the Beatles shook the music world by breaking up, and during a period of contentiousness between McCartney and his former bandmates. The fallout after splitting up the business of the Beatles caused McCartney to have spells where he said he would lie awake at night, shaking in a mental breakdown, very depressed and at a loss for what to do next, or even if Beatles fans would accept him if he did forge a solo path musically. He credits his wife, Linda, with giving him the encouragement to get back to writing songs, writing Maybe I'm Amazed for Her on his solo debut as a thank you. And while that album was recorded solely by McCartney on a four-track tape recorder, every instrument, every vocal take, all Paul, with some sporadic backup vocals by Linda, he took a decidedly different approach for his second solo effort. Ram was to be a family affair. The McCartneys recorded the album in New York City, taking the whole family to the States to record it. Heather, Linda's daughter by her first marriage, who Paul formerly adopted, and Baby Mary, who can be seen on the album artwork for the McCartney album. Linda was pregnant with Stella at the time, who was born in September of 71. Son James would come six years later, the fourth of their children together. The family was living on their High Park farm in Scotland at the time, a favorite place for the McCartneys, a place of peace away from Beatlemania and the prying eyes of the press, the place where Paul regained his grip on his artistry with the help of his wife, his kids, and the pastoral beauty of the landscape. Unlike his solo debut, which was very much a homespun thing, McCartney wanted the complex songs written for the Ram album to be highly crafted, and he wanted to enlist other musicians to join him and Linda in the studio on this journey. 
So off to New York they went, and there they enlisted the players who would help them on this opus. Paul, of course, on bass and lead vocals, as well as guitar, piano, keyboards, and ukulele, joined by Linda on backing vocals. David Spinoza and Hugh McCracken were hired to handle guitar duties, and Denny Sywell joined on drums and would later become a member of Wings. Marvin Stamm, a renowned jazz trumpeter, was brought on to play the flugelhorn. And finally, the New York Philharmonic Orchestra was hired to perform on the RAM recordings, along with synth players, violinists, and other brass players. It was a far cry from the do-it-yourself approach that McCartney took on his solo debut, but one that paid off in every single song. The McCartneys brought over 30 songs with them to New York as possible candidates for the album. Six of the final 12 that made it to Ram were co-written by Linda. And that was certainly one point of derision by some. Publishers claimed that Linda couldn't possibly have contributed to the music as she was a photographer with absolutely no musical background. They accused the pair of crediting her on the songs as a way of funneling royalties away from the Beatles. McCartney later settled out of court in a lawsuit regarding these songs. Even Sir George Martin, the man responsible for helping shape the sound of Beatles albums throughout their career as their producer, jabbed that Linda was no replacement for John Lennon, just as Yoko Ono was no replacement for Paul McCartney. However, having said that, Sir George Martin did arrange the New York Philharmonic's performance for Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, a fact which was virtually unknown for decades, since he's not credited on the Ram album. And speaking of John and Yoko and Paul and Linda, there were certainly pointed lyrics written by both McCartney and Lennon on their respective solo work in 1970 and 71. Just to name a couple of examples, Too Many People on the Ram album is a skewering of John and Yoko, and How Do You Sleep on Lennon's Imagine album was an utter condemnation of Paul McCartney. On the back of the album artwork for Ram, you'll find a picture of two Beatles who are either copulating or fighting, depending on how you look at it. The cuts ran deep. But regardless of the conflicts between the two former Beatles and the criticism the McCartneys drew by making Linda a partner on the Ram album, it was really an album where we got to witness a strange and delightful thing. Paul McCartney was finding himself. Now that's odd to say, given that he was one of the biggest stars on the planet both then and now. But in the early 70s, on his solo albums, he was giving himself permission to let his freak flag fly. To relax into bringing forth the songs that he had percolating inside. He was giving himself the freedom to get weird. Something that he says he would never have been able to do, were it not for Linda. And here's something unexpected that happened as a result. When the song Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey was released, it became Paul McCartney's first number one hit on the Billboard chart as a solo artist. This wonderfully odd song that was described by some as an interesting hodgepodge of sounds and by others, including the writers at Rolling Stone, as virtually unlistenable, rose to number one. The song and this album represent some of Paul McCartney's most experimental work. And at times you feel like you're listening in on someone else's private conversation. It's that intimate. But it struck a chord with fans, and eventually the critics had to agree. Paul McCartney had, once again, arrived. 
I would venture that only someone with McCartney's musical chops could yield a song so odd and yet so perfectly familiar seeming all at the same time. The lyrics make little sense, and the song shifts between mood and tempo in a way that on paper would be puzzling. But leave it to McCartney to make it a toe-tapper nonetheless. Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, starts like this, innocently enough. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. We're so sorry if we caused you any pain. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert, but there's no one left at home, and I believe I'm going to reign. McCartney has said that the Uncle Albert referred to here is his own Uncle Albert, a man from the previous generation who would read the Bible to Paul when he was drunk. He was fond of his uncle and says that this part of the song is loosely about the sense of wonderment that he assumed the older generation felt at the goings-on of his own generation with men walking on the moon and Beatlemania and all of that. Up to this point, the song has a pretty straightforward arrangement, but it's here that rain sounds trickle in and the crash of thunder. We're so sorry, but we haven't heard a thing all day. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. But if anything should happen, we'll be sure to give a ring. And at this point, you hear McCartney mimicking a British telephone ringing, a sound he made with his own lips against the microphone. And only the last few rings have the tinny effect that was intended for all of them. The engineer forgot to add the effect until the last three ring sounds, and McCartney, after hearing it, decided just to leave it that way. One of the happy accidents on this album that became Decisions. And then you hear an answering machine sound, again in McCartney's voice, taking on a posh, high-class accent. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert, but we haven't done a bloody thing all day. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert, but the kettle's on the boil and we're so easily called away. One might infer that there is some apology going on in these lines from Paul to himself for wasting time being depressed after the breakup of the Beatles, being easily distracted and listless. And meanwhile, in the background, Linda can be heard harmonizing with Paul, singing Albert over and over and the yeah, yeah, yeahs and the woo-woo-woos. And the song builds with the New York Philharmonic's orchestral arrangement, violins, and the horns making that unforgettable rit-a-dee-dee-a-rit-a-dee-dee -dee sound, along with the singing of birds, recorded by the seashore, switching to a more up-tempo beat as Paul and Linda sing. Hands across the water, hands across the sky. Paul McCartney has said that much of this song was put together from parts and pieces of previous songs that he had begun writing, some during the Abbey Road sessions. One could take Hands Across the Water to mean the goodwill shown to the Beatles by fans across the pond here in America. And in this context, how it's time for McCartney to get back into the business of making music for fans the world over. It's an unforgettably whimsical addition to the song, showcasing McCartney's ability to insert an earworm like nobody else in pop music. And the next part is also quite whimsical the part of the song which feels like a continuation of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, and in some weird way makes sense coming after the hands across the water, hands across the skylines. Admiral Halsey notified me. He had to have a berth or he couldn't get to sea. I had another look and I had a cup of tea and butter pie. Butter pie? 
the butter wouldn't melt, so I put it in the pie. McCartney has said that Admiral Halsey referred to Fleet Admiral William Bull Halsey, a big-time U.S. Navy admiral who became legendary the world over during World War II. He was included in the song to represent an authority figure, something that McCartney's generation could and did ignore, especially in the context of the song, where Butter Pie is much more interesting and deserving of attention than any authority figure. For the record, Butter Pie does indeed exist in English cuisine. It's a savory pie filled with mostly onions and potatoes. McCartney told Mojo Magazine in a 2001 interview that this part of the song was a bit surreal, but I was in a very free mood. The song here then repeats the hands across the water chorus, and then to me comes the most fun part of the song, the tempo kicking up even more and the lyrics that sound almost like a children's lullaby. Live a little, be a gypsy, get around, get around. Get your feet up off the ground, live a little, get around. These lines best describe the McCartney's lifestyle and mood during the making of the Ram album. They recorded it in parts, going to New York and then back to Scotland over a period of months, returning to the farm and the goats and the country before heading back to the States to pick up where they left off in the recording studio for overdubs. They would bring the children's playpen up the back stairs to the studio so the whole family could be together while they were working. Gypsies, living a little, getting around together, so to speak. And then that wonderful horn section comes back in with a ritz-dee-dee, And then it's back to the chorus, hands across the water, hands across the sky, before the song heads into a downright country and western sounding part, as it fades with the McCartneys singing some oohs together on the way out. There are roughly 12 different sounding parts in Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Quite a lot for a song that is just shy of five minutes long. On the album, it seamlessly segues into the next track, Smile Away, a joyous little rocker with lyrics about smelling a friend's breath from a mile away. As McCartney said in that Mojo interview, he was feeling free. And he was free. From the pressure of being in the Beatles, and trying to hold it all together, from the idea that he had to be perfect all the time. He grew a beard and wrote songs with his family on a farm in Scotland, and surprised himself and everyone else in the music world when the song rocketed straight up to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. McCartney also received a Grammy Award for Best Arrangement of Accompanying Vocalists for the song in 1971. He went on to form Wings with Linda and had a slew of hits until Wings broke up in 81. Of Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, John Lennon even admitted that, while he wasn't a fan of the Ram album, he liked the beginning of the song and that he quite liked, in his words, the hands across the water bit. McCartney himself seems still bemused by the Ram album, saying that he understands why it freaked people out just a little bit because parts of it were, in his words, quite daft. It is a beautiful weirdness that you hear on this song and on the Ram album, which paved the way for artists like Beck and Elliot Smith much later. Artists with the melodic capabilities to take nonsensical lyrics and make them into popular hits. Before Ram, there was very little blueprint for that. And Paul McCartney's contributions to music in this way can't be overstated. 
He was and is a pop genius, worthy of every accolade he's ever received. He saw his vision through, and even the critics who judged him harshly on the release of Ram have since had to admit that there is a beauty in those songs that can't be denied. A joy that plays on through time. Give it a listen. Turn out the lights and turn the sound up. And then tell me how long it takes for you to smile. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks to Christian Lane for the music you hear on this podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Podcast One, or stream for free at WDRV.com Behind the Song or on the Drive app. Subscribe to the Behind the Song podcast on YouTube and watch the video episode. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Jandalane Radio and on Twitter and TikTok at Jandalane. On the way, episodes about lyrics from more classic rock and roll. Put the power of podcasting to work for your business. You can be part of Behind the Song and reach potential customers inside every episode. To advertise your product or service by sponsoring Behind the Song, send an email to podcast at hubbardradio.com now.